the phrase in verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. It's a very assertive statement. It's a very powerful statement that commits God to the cause of his people. The Lord will fight for you. This passage and many others in the Bible clearly state that God fights for his people. And I will not say much about this because I'm going to come back to it at the end of my message and uh, draw some lessons from it. Um, it is something that God does for us even when we are not aware of it. Then Exodus chapter 15 from verse 1 to 4 after God had delivered Israel through the sea the Red Sea uh, the Bible says from verse 1 of Exodus chapter 15 then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke saying I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously the horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea the Lord is my strength and song he has become my salvation he is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. Verse 3, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains are also drowned in the Red Sea. Underline in verse 3, the Lord is a man of of war. The Lord is a man of war. Those of you who've been uh, in the church for a while uh, can identify the words in the passage in Exodus chapter 15 because we used to sing it. Uh, I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he's thrown into the sea. Those of you newcomers have no idea what that song is. If you know that song, it means you are. Uh, you, you, you are there. And uh, if you don't know it, you are also there. Amen. So, I want to just focus on the phrase, The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is a man of war. It's a very interesting statement in the Bible. Because we also know that God is not a man. So, if God is not a a man, how then does uh, the passage describe him as a man of war? This description of God as a man of war is very important. Now, uh, a few weeks ago, I, I spoke about uh, the fact that sometimes the Bible uses human language to describe God. And when that happens, it is called an anthropomorphism. Uh, it is using uh, human characteristics to describe God. So you hear things like the hand of God or the face of the Lord or the Lord smelled or the Lord sees or the Lord walked and, and so on. And, and this is one of those. The Lord as a man of war. Uh, it is not exactly that God is a man but because we are human beings God speaks to us with descriptions we can understand 
So when uh, he talks about the hand of God, uh, it doesn't mean that God sits somewhere and he has a hand like ours, but it's a way for us to appreciate and understand God. So the passage here says the Lord is a man of war. Uh, You can render it as the Lord is like a man of war. Um, the, the, the phrase a man of war simply means a warrior, somebody who goes to war, somebody who fights in a war, uh, somebody who is very strong in battle. So after Egypt or Israel has come out of Egypt, the first thing they understand about God is that he is a man of war. Can you imagine for 400 years they've never fought a battle for 130 years and for much of the time they've been under bondage now they have been delivered and their first understanding of God is that this God we worship is a man of war why? because they saw God in warfare defeating Egypt just now and so they say wow we serve a God who is a man of war who fights for his people Throughout the scripture, uh, that image of God as a fighter is portrayed. In Psalm 89 verse 8, we see him as the Lord of hosts. It says, O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord, your faithfulness surrounds you. And that phrase of God as the Lord of hosts runs throughout the Old Testament. It sees God as the head of a host. A host there means a large army. So God is the Lord of hosts. He is a leader of an army of hosts. The host of God include various hierarchies of angels, cherubim, seraphim, and other supernatural beings and their number is beyond count. The Lord is the Lord of hosts. In Psalm 24 verse 8, he is described as the Lord who is strong and mighty. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. So the Lord is a man of war. He is the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord strong and mighty. And in the same Psalm 24 verse 8, it says that the Lord is mighty in battle. That phrase, mighty in battle, uh, describes somebody who wins his battles. When somebody is called mighty in battle, it means that every time he goes to battle, he comes up winning. He's the kind of person you want to have around you when you are fighting. A person who is mighty in battle. There are people who are mighty in battle. And when, when I was a kid in my neighborhood, we fought for nothing. I don't know why we did it. You know, we just get up in the evening, we, we go to the next area of our neighborhood and we're coming to fight. You know, and, and they pair us. They say, you fight this one and you fight that one. And sometimes you get beaten, sometimes you beat people. You give and take, but, but you just fight. I don't know whether neighborhoods still do that in, in Ghana, but we were just fighting. We didn't, they didn't pay us for it. We don't earn anything. 
You just go home, back home, you are bruised. Your clothes are tattered. Your mother is angry. You get beaten at home too. You know, but we just fight. And, and, and there were people amongst us, some of our neighbors, and I can think of a few boys in my neighborhood who were mighty in battle. Mighty in battle. I mean, anytime we're going to fight and they are with us, we feel very confident because they never lose a battle. They never lose. For some reason. I don't know where they learned fighting from. But for some reason, these boys never lost a battle. They always win. Now, that is the image that the Bible has when it says the Lord is mighty in battle. It's a person who never loses a battle. Whenever you're going to fight, you wish he was on your side. If he's on your enemy's side, you are in big trouble. The Lord is strong and mighty. The Lord is mighty in battle. He never loses a battle. That is the God we serve. He never loses a battle. So what does it mean when the Bible says that God is fighting? When the Bible says God is fighting, what does it mean? Now, it's very important when we read the Bible... And I take my time to teach these things because somebody can take this verse and run with it in a direction that will hurt all of us. Uh, (laughs) You have to understand that the Bible uses different kinds of language to bring us the word of God. Sometimes it is historical language. Sometimes it is legal language. And sometimes, as in this case, it is poetry so when you are speaking poetically, you use, you use different things like metaphors, similes, and so on. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? That's why you should have paid attention during English when you were in school. You should have paid attention. You run away from English class. You say, well, what, what am I going to do with English? I'm not an Englishman. Metaphor. You were taught in school. You were taught in school. You didn't learn. Similes. Analogies, you didn't learn. Poetry, you didn't learn. Now you realize you've come to face it in the Bible too. All right. So sometimes the Bible uses poetry. And when it uses poetry, the language is a bit flowery. So you see things like the Lord fights, the Lord is a man of war. Now I don't want you to imagine God like the, my neighborhood friend, you know, who takes off his shirt. And goes out to do one-on-one with somebody else. Because God has no equal to fight with. And nobody can hit him. And nobody can attack him. So when the Bible says God is fighting, don't imagine a wrestler. Or a boxer. Maybe like uh, Anthony Joshua or Mike Tyson. Who bit somebody's ear. Don't think of God like that. Because, because normally when we think of a fighter, you know, somebody who gives out blows and then he gets blowed too. So God, nobody blows God. Boom, they've hit God. No. So when the Bible says God is a fighter, it's a poetic language. It is not an actual language that God gets into fight and gets beaten or gets hit or gets attacked. Because God cannot be attacked. None can even approach his presence. 
All right? So get that in mind. When we say God is fighting for us, he is not engaged on one-to-one blow exchange with somebody else. Because no one can access his presence. So when the Bible says God is fighting, how does he fight? Just give you a few, uh, two verses, um, just to clarify that to you. Matthew chapter 26, verse 52 to 53, and then Revelation chapter 12, verse 7 to 9. How does God fight when we say God is fighting? This is Jesus speaking. And Jesus said to him, Peter, put your sword in its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to the Father and he'll provide me more than 12 legions of angels? Now Peter is fighting the enemies of Jesus who have come to arrest him. He cuts off somebody's ear. Jesus has put away the sword because if I really want to fight, I'm going to tell the Father he'll give me legions of angels. In other words, uh, when God is engaged in fighting, he uses somebody else to fight. And Jesus is telling us there are angels. And then uh, Revelation chapter 12 verse 9, 7 and 9. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Nor was there a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. Uh, He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So even dealing with Satan himself, God does not fight him. Michael fights him. Jesus says, if I want to fight, angels will come to fight. So, how, when we say God is fighting for us, how does he engage in that fight? God uses angels to fight for him. Angels fight for God. Angels fight for God. So anytime you read the Bible and you see God described as fighting you have to know there's always angelic presence when you read the battle is the Lord's there is angelic presence when you read the Lord is a man of war there is angelic presence any language in the Bible that involves battle that God is involved in requires angels to be present because the angels are the hosts who fight for God They act at at God's command. They wage war against God's enemies. And that's very important. Angels don't respond to our instructions. We are not the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of hosts. He instructs them. And they don't wage war for you. They wage war against God's enemies. If God's enemies and your enemies happen to be the same, then you are on, good, on the good side. And they operate in both the spiritual and the physical worlds. It's very interesting because in the, in the account in Revelation, this warfare is taking place in the heavenlies. But when Jesus spoke in Matthew, he was talking about warfare here on earth. So angels can fight totally spiritual battles and they can also be engaged in physical battles 
No, let me put it this way. They can be engaged in war in the physical world. In the physical world. So, throughout the scripture, you see God fighting. And getting into fight. And you read things like the battle is the Lord's. God will fight for you. God goes ahead of you and fights. And, and we see, especially in the life of Israel, many times when God fought for them. You see, in the lives of some people of God in the Bible, many times when God fought for them. So how does God fight for us? How does God fight for us? God fights for us in many ways. He fights for us in ways we cannot see. And I will just walk you through just about five ways in which God fights for us. How does he do it? When God is going to fight for his people, how does he do it? Though this earning ear in the spirit of radio bring lots of cheer sweet sweet stereo Oh boy boy oh boy that must surely be joy give it it to you that is great joy joy 99.7 that is great joy great joy Joy, thank you for all you've done for me Showing me things I didn't see Thank you, Joy, for that love you bring to me This is why I write a song that sings
We bring you joy. 